Good morning. We just got done praying for the sound team and praying that everything would run smoothly and everything like that. And I, I probably should have prayed for myself in that because I forgot to turn my mic on. No. If you would, would you do me a favor and take out your worship bulletin? I want to go over some of the announcements in there and just let you know uh, of some things. First of all, thank you to all the men that came out yesterday and put in the hard work. Um, we got the parking blocks moved. We've got some electrical issues done. We've got some, we've got some repair work to the gutters. And some of you told me today, man, I wish I would have been able to come out or I was going to come out. Don't worry. There's another date coming. All right. So mark your calendars. May 15th, it's a Saturday. We're going to invite the whole entire church to come out. We're going to put out a list, though. Say you cannot make it on that Saturday. Maybe you could sign up for one of the things on the list and then come out sometime that week and just help us. If you're a member of this church, all right, I expect you to be a part of this. Expect you to um, take something on and support your church. That's what you're called to do as a member. So, and man, I'm good with guilt trips. So don't make me go there, right? All right. We're going to be watching The Chosen Season 1, Episode 5, this coming Wednesday. Can't wait to see you. If you are interested in pizza, hit the tackets up or dessert, hit Adivy up. Uh, you can order that and have that here. That's for a donation as part of the talents. Uh, ministry that we're going on. I've seen some money starting to come in for that. Uh, if you are struggling to come up with an idea, come see me. We've got some things that maybe are a little bit bigger that we're planning, and maybe you can be a part of that. So don't, don't let that stress you out. Just think, what, what is my talent, though? What are my talents? What can I use for God's glory? All right? So um, if you're interested in that, let me know. We've got a men's breakfast coming up on May 1st at 8.30, and the women are also going to be meeting at 10 a.m. that day, so make sure you mark your calendars with that. We handed out nominations last week, so if you received a nomination, please consider that. And you might, if you weren't here, you might be getting that in the mail, but if you could let us know, bring that in. I think you have until next Sunday to bring in those nominations. We would appreciate that. Um, Karen told me she has two pumpkin rolls left. So if you're interested in a pumpkin roll, see Karen before she leaves. We had one, and it was um, great. So uh, make sure you check her out and, and see that. And then last but not least, the Gideons are here today. So we are honored and privileged to have both of you gentlemen in here. John is going to be coming and speaking to us and talking about the Gideons after praise and worship. All right, inside your bulletin insert is uh, some information on the Gideons. There's also an envelope in here. Now, we're going to take an offering, or we're going to make the offering available. You can give to the Gideons in, in a couple different ways. You can take this envelope with you and just send it in directly to him. That's awesome. You can mark your tithe envelope, your offering envelope, with Gideons, and we'll get it to them or put it back in that plate back there, whatever you want to do. This is a ministry that we've talked about supporting, right? With our talents challenge, that was one of the mysteries that we have listed. You know how we love to buy Bibles here and give them out for free? This takes that far beyond that. So, and you'll be hearing about that. I, I want you to right now start praying about this and asking God what he would have you do in supporting this ministry. This is, this is a way to invest in the kingdom, and I hope you take it seriously and, and check it out, all right? All right, let's pray. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the, the ability to gather in your name. And Father, I pray that we would gather in your name. Lord, we want your name to be glorified, your name to be praised. 
Father, for your name is the name above all other names. Father, help that not just to be something we say, but help that be a part of our lifestyle that we live. Lord, I pray that you be with the praise and worship team, and I pray that they would usher us into that, into that posture, that posture that has us on our knees before the King of kings, before the Lord of lords. Lord, we pray that we would be a blessing to you, not just with our mouths, but with our lives. I pray that we would surrender our will to you, surrender our bank accounts to you, surrender our time to you, surrender our talents to you, and use them to build the kingdom. Use them for your glory. Use them in whatever way that you would ask us to do. Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Shake and crumble at your name. The oceans roar and tumble at your name. Angels will bow, the earth will rejoice. Your people cry out, Lord of all the earth. We shout your name, shout your name.
You may be seated. Uh, the reckless love of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you for that. Well, it is my privilege um, to introduce to you John with Gideon's, and he's going to be coming up at this time. I forgot one quick announcement, though. Uh, we are going to have our prayer team ministry meeting right after service in the children or in the teen room. So if you are on that prayer team or interested in still being on that part of that prayer team, Come over to that area right after the service. I'd like to uh, start out this morning with a question, and that is, what happens twice every second, two times every second? Well, a new mother will tell you that her uh, newborn child's heartbeat beats two times every second. What else happens two times every second? Two times every second. 145,000 Gideons organized in 191 countries around the world pass out 160 Bibles and Testaments each and every day. And that is about two times every second. Hello, my name is uh, John Ringenberg, and I'm a Huron County Gideon. Who are the Gideons? We're an association of Christian business and professional men whose purpose is to lead individuals to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through the distribution of Bibles and Testaments and through personal witnessing. We come from a variety of different Protestant churches. We have some Gideons from this uh, congregation, I know. Um, Because of the scope of this worldwide Gideon organization, Gideons can go where we in the United States can't go. They can speak languages that we cannot speak, and they can hand out Bibles and testaments to people we cannot reach. Why do we do this? What's this little book good for? Well, Ben Lo knew what it was good for. Ben was the eldest son of a large Chinese family that lived in Malaysia. When Ben went to school, he got mixed up in the wrong crowd, and uh, that crowd led him into gang fights and smoking and drinking and taking drugs. Well, one thing led to another, and Ben ended up in jail. Well, one day, Gideon went to that prison, 
and started handing out these little testaments. Well, Ben eagerly took one because he knew what this was good for. You see, he couldn't get drugs and he couldn't get alcohol when he was in prison, but periodically somebody sm- uh, smuggled in some tobacco, and when Ben got a hold of some, he'd go to his little testament, he'd rip out a page, he'd roll himself up a little cigarette. Well, after that, the meanest, baddest prisoner in that prison started talking excitedly about what he was reading in this testament. And soon four or five other prisoners started very excitedly telling people what they were reading in this testament. So this got Ben curious. So he went to his testament, and he started reading it. And the Spirit of God dawned on Ben, and Ben, through the reading of this little testament, gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ben uh, now is out of prison, and he's married. He's got a couple kids, and he himself is a Gideon. Why do we do it? We do it for um, we do it for a guy like Ben in Malaysia, but we also do it for a little girl named Amy who comes to our uh, Huron County uh, Fair booth each year. We do a, a distribution at the county fair, and uh, we do it for a businessman who finds himself in a lonely uh, hotel room. We do it for a frightened woman who finds herself uh, waiting for test results in a doctor's office. The local Huron County chapter uh, distributes testaments like this to schools. We can't get into the schools anymore, but we can stand outside the schools on the sidewalk and hand out testaments like this uh, as kids come out of school. Uh, as I said, we have a booth at the Huron County Fair each year and hand out a lot of testaments from, the, from our booth. We get involved in certain uh, programs that are going on in Huron County. For example, uh, Love Norwalk. Um, that's an outreach that, that's put on by churches up in the Norwalk area where people right before um, school starts can get school supplies hygiene equipment, uh, foods, and, and even uh, barbers and, and beauticians uh, are there to provide haircuts and hair service. Uh, each year, uh, the uh, Salvation Army, during Christmas time, uh, has a toy distribution. Needy families can go there. They can get toys for their kids. They can get a gift certificate for food. And uh, we're there also handing out testaments and Bibles. Uh, we have a ministry at the Huron County Jail twice a month. We uh, do services at the Huron County Jail. The men's Gideons, uh, we do the men's service, and then the women's auxiliary does the women's service. Again, we hand out Bibles and Testaments. We do the service. We also hand out um, our daily bread and uh, other material that the prisoners find useful. Of course, we do Bible distributions to hotels and motels and to uh, professional offices, doctor's offices, dentist offices, uh, lawyer's offices. As we look around the world today uh, and we see the confusion that's going on, people not knowing what's right, people not knowing what's wrong, people not knowing what's true and untrue, um, the world needs the Word of God. And... uh, They need to know that a Savior exists and that that Savior's name is Jesus. And he can be found in this little testament.
God says in Isaiah 55, 11, so is the word that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void, void, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So why do we do it? We do it because this little book contains the great news. And we would like you to partner with us. As, I, as uh, Pastor James said, you can do that financially through the uh, offering today. Uh, another way that you can do that is through the Gideon card program. We've got a rack in the back there. We have several different uh, cards available. We've got the in-memory in card for passing of a loved one. You can send a donation to the Gideons, then send a card to the family saying, in honor of your loved one, we've made a, a donation to the Gideons. We have just um, in recognition for any kind of special event going on in your life or somebody else's life, graduation, wedding, birthday, um, and so forth. And then we have just a thinking of you card. If you want to send a, a note to your friend, uh, thinking about you and wanted to let you know we sent a couple Bibles out in your name through the Gideons. So I'd like to thank you, Pastor. I'd like to thank you, congregation, for allowing me to share today with you and to ask you to help us uh, get the word out, the good word of uh, the gospel. And um, just so, just a re reminder during the seven minutes I've been speaking up here today, the Gideons had passed out over 800 Bibles and Testaments. Thank you. <clears throat> We're going to be in Joshua 4 today, Joshua 4 today, and a little bit in Joshua 1 real quick before that. So if you turn in your Bible, <laughs> well, I almost got a little Southern there, Bibles. <clears throat> I don't know where that came from. What did I say last week? Horses? Something about horses, yeah. <laughs> Houses and horses, yeah. All right. There we go. Two-story horses. All right. Today, I want to talk about a feeling, a feeling that I'm sure all of us have experienced at one time or another or maybe are experiencing. It's that feeling that you get when you step on the scale, right, and you're expecting that, that weight scale to give you a different number, but you look down and it's not the number that you expected. Like you've been doing the right things, right? You've been doing all the things you did. You've been working harder. And you know it's going to be a good number or a better number, but you step on it and it's like not the number you expected. In fact, you're wondering if, if maybe somebody changed it from like the English system to the metric system. Or maybe you have one of those older scales where you can actually turn them over and readjust them, recalibrate them down a little bit. You know, you're wondering if somebody's messing with you in that respect. Uh, it's like you finally realize that the 19 in COVID-19 stands for the 19 pounds you've gained, right? Amen. Amen, yes. It's a feeling where you really like someone and you think you two would just be perfect and you get delegated or you get put into the friend zone, right? Like you get the speech, it's not you, it's me. I don't want to take a chance on ruining our friendship. Have you ever gotten that speech? Maybe you're in that. It's the feeling when you root for Ohio State, right? And you had high hopes for the bracket this year for Ohio State to make a deep run and they end up losing to Oral Roberts in the first round, right? That loss blew 99.58% of all the brackets that were recorded. 
99.5% of all the brackets were ruined with that one loss. On a serious note, it's that feeling that you get when you go to the doctor and you find out it's cancer. The feeling I'm talking about is discouragement. I think we all can relate to it. We've all felt it on some level. If I had to define discouragement, it would be the loss of something. The loss of something. Maybe the loss of hope. You had hope, but it was lost. You believed and then things started slipping away. It can be the loss of confidence in something or someone. Ultimately, discouragement is the loss of courage. We know that by the word, the term itself. And I think this is how Joshua felt early on in his call to leadership. Discouraged. Early on in taking over as leader. If you've missed the last two weeks, we've been talking about this man named Joshua, his life, and some defining moments in that life. Right, Some defining big moments in that life. These moments could have been really discouraging. The first week we talked about how he as a leader right, went with 11 other guys into the promised land, the land that God had given them. He had given this land to them, and God said, go check it out. Right? And so he went in there, and he and Caleb came back and said, the land is good. Let's take it. Let's get it. Right? The Lord will fight for us. They had the right perspective. They were looking at it through the lens of faith. But there were ten other leaders who said, no, we can't take it. There's giants in this land and we're what? We're grasshoppers, right? People ended up not listening to Joshua's and Caleb's leadership. He failed to persuade them. And as a result, the people walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. Have you ever been stuck in a rut that lasted 40 years? Talk about discouragement. On top of that, last week we saw in Joshua 1 that it starts out with Moses dying, right? Joshua 1-2, Moses dies, and now Joshua is in charge. The last verse in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 34.12 says, For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Moses, we talked about this last week, Moses had a face-to-face relationship with God. And that's the guy's shoes that Joshua is trying to fill. I mean, do you remember the guys' names that took over for Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen when they retired? Probably one of the biggest iconic duos, those two, right? And the Bulls had a horrible season right after they retired. They, they lost some other people. But there were two people that were drafted in 99, Elton Brand and Ron Artest. They were kind of going to be the new dynamic duo for the Bulls. Do you remember them? Probably most of you don't, right? Pretty big shoes to fill. Maybe too big for anybody to fill. So Joshua has been wandering around with the other Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. These people are tired and they're worn out. He knows that difficult times are ahead, right? He knows there's going to be battles to fight. And he does not have Moses to look to. It's on him. It had to be 
discouraging. I think the primary way that we know that it had to be discouraging is because God keeps telling him something. Four times in chapter 1, he tells him something similar. He says, be courageous. Have courage. Be strong and courageous. You don't tell somebody four times to be courageous unless there's an issue with discouragement there. When things are said, there's usually an issue. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not too long ago, Adivy was cutting my hair. And she said, do you want me to cut the hair on your ears? (laughs) Seriously? Like, that's an issue? That's something we have to deal with right now? That threw me for a loop right there. Because people don't say anything unless there's an issue, right? Um, Yeah, go ahead. After enough times of hearing God telling Joshua, be courageous, it it lets you know that there's probably an issue. There's probably a person lacking some courage at this point, a person struggling with being discouraged. Joshua 1.9 says this. God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so God speaks courage into Joshua. Here's what I love about this passage. God is speaking to Joshua beforehand. A lot of times we're good with encouragement after the fact. Our kid does something right and we're proud of them and we say, good job, keep it up, keep going, right? You did a great job. That's usually when we practice encouragement. A more biblically consistent understanding of encouragement, though, happens before. It's the encouragement that you give to somebody ahead of time. You speak that courage into their lives. It's what God does here for Joshua. It recognizes that Joshua is carrying a heavy burden. A heavy burden. And the road ahead is going to be difficult. And that's where he speaks courage into him. Do you have some people like that in your life right now? Don't wait for the after the fact moment to speak that encouragement to them recognize it see it look at the path ahead notice the weight that they're carrying and speak some courage into their lives let them know that they're not alone right realize it's going to be a difficult one a challenging road especially if it's something that you've experienced already yourself it's a road that you've been down before you are the perfect person to speak into their lives. Talk to them. If your courage is, is, your courage can be encouraged from what people say. Pay attention to the lives of head. Back to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, right? But notice that God does not stop there. God then points to where Joshua should find his source of courage. Here's what we need to realize. Courage is only good, only as good as what we put our confidence in. Right? 
if your courage is strictly based on you, then how confident are you going to be? It's all going to be based on what you can do. I remember when, when I was first starting out, credit cards were, were newer, and I think I may have had one, but I didn't regularly use it like I do, do today. Uh, I would go to the grocery stores, and I would bring cash. I would go to the box store and I would bring cash. And I remember those times in line at the grocery store and they're ringing everything up and I'm watching that number grow each time. I had, when I had put it in my cart, I was doing the math in my head, right? And I was thinking that I'm good, but as that number is growing and I see the line that is still there, still ready to be rung up, that's when I would start to get uh, a little worried. I'd start doing the math again right there just to double check. I think I'm okay, but I'd always second-guess myself. What am I going to do? What am I going to take off if I, I go over? But then credit cards came up, and you didn't have to worry about having enough, right? You could just depend on that. You didn't have to pay as close attention to what you were purchasing, especially if you had the American Express Centurion card. Have you heard about that card it's called the black card, the American Express black card. It used to be an urban myth, and then there were enough people talking about it that American Express said, let's, let's go with this. So they issue this centurion card, this black card. This card has no limit. This card has no limit. When it first came out, you couldn't even apply for it. You had to be invited to it. That's how this card was. Now, today, you can actually ask to be considered for it. All right, but here's the thing. You have to charge between a quarter of a million dollars and half a million dollars at least a year to get it. Yeah. I don't have one, right? The card, though, will cover anything you need to get. Well, for me, it would cover anything that I need to get, right? You could have a lot of courage with that card. You could go to Sam's Club and not worry, right, about having enough because your confidence would be in the in that card where you put your confidence determines how much courage you have so when God is telling Joshua to be a person of courage he's not saying you know just try hard just do it you can do it right he tells Joshua where to put his confidence in in verse 5 God says I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 9, I will be with you wherever you go. Joshua, don't be discouraged. I won't fail you. I will be with you wherever you go. I won't abandon you. This is where Joshua is able to find his courage and his confidence. It's in God. Amen? So courage is only as good as where you put your confidence. Now, if that's true, then this also is true, that discouragement is an indication of a misplaced confidence. So when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling discouraged unreasonably so, it may be an indication that you put your confidence in the wrong things. I have experienced recently a time, a season of this, and I have talked to a lot of people who are experiencing this or have recently experienced 
experienced dealing with an unusual amount of anxiety. They're excessively discouraged. Everybody's going to have some discouragement, right? But there are people who are experiencing this excessively discouraging time. And if you're one of those persons, I want you to look at where are you turning to? Where is your confidence going? What is it based on? Don't base it strictly on you. Don't remove the lens of faith, right? As I was reading an article, I was reading an article about this dating website that asked its users when signing up, are you a genius? Are you a genius? And according to this article, five out of ten, five out of ten men said, yes. Five out of ten men said, yes. Good luck, ladies, right? Now that you mentioned I am a genius, and statistically that number is about one in a thousand, all right? But for some reason, five out of ten men assume they're one in a thousand. Why do they think that? I'm guessing they've never been tested, right? <laughs> that should have been the follow-up question. Okay, yes, you think you're a genius. Have you been tested, right? The guys would probably have said no, but there's this triangle game at Cracker Barrel, and I am a two-peg guy, right? I am a two-peg guy, so pretty much I'm a genius. I'm sure, though, if these guys were got tested, though, it would be clear that their confidence was misplaced, right? As long as you don't get tested, though, you can, ha- you can get away with having your confidence in things that you really shouldn't. But when the testing comes, things get revealed, don't they? Maybe some of us are here right now in that place. We're excessively discouraged because of where we put our confidence in. We found it to be lacking when it got tested. Think about the people who put their confidence in politics, right? There's a quote by John Adams, and he said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Are we a moral and religious people? Why are we having so many problems in our government right now? James Madison said our Constitution requires sufficient virtue among men to prevent us from devouring each other. I don't talk about, a lot about politics because I know it's not the answer. I'd rather talk about the human heart. I'd rather try and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is the only hope for us as a nation, right? We should speak to issues. We do speak to issues, right? But our confidence, the answer will not be found in politicians. It will only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you put your confidence in? Is it the economy? Is it medical advancement? If you put your confidence in these types of things, it can be shaken, right? Think about this. Think about if you're, if you're following, if you're hanging on every word of the CDC during COVID or Dr. Fauci, right? 
one mask is good. Two masks is good. No, you need three masks. No, it's not three masks. You need the shot. You need the vaccine. Oh, wait, if you get the shot, if you get the vaccine, you still need the mask. I'm not making light of that. I'm not making fun of that. I'm just showing you, though, it constantly changes, right? And that can shake a person. If they're putting all their confidence in a mask, it can shake someone. Like I said, I'm not making fun of that. But where are you putting your confidence in? You want something rock solid, right? You want rocks. And I know, I know our government leaders, they're, they're trying to figure it out, right? But you want something rock solid to put your confidence and trust in. All of us have put our confidence in ourselves or in something that's let us down, haven't we? We're desperate for the unchanging, though. We're desperate for the rock. We're desperate for something that will hold hold up under whatever weight comes our way, whatever weight that we're asked to bear. Paul says in Romans, there is only one hope that does not disappoint. So Joshua is challenged with the question, who is he going to put his confidence in? It's the same question that we have that we're challenged with today. Ourselves, someone else, something else, or the Lord? If you know about Joshua, then you know that he wasn't born with that name. When we first meet him, his name is Hosea, which in Hebrew means salvation. So you think about that. Every time somebody sees him, they call him by that name. They're almost saying Savior. They're almost calling him Savior, right? Here comes Hosea, Savior. See him, there he is. That was his name. Sometime before Joshua goes to the promised land to check it out, though, Moses changes his name to Joshua. Subtle change in Hebrew. But Joshua, also translated Jesus or Yeshua, means the Lord is my salvation. Do you see the subtle change? So now, when people look at Joshua, they don't see Savior, they don't have that connotation with him. They instead are reminded that the Lord saves. If you're at a place where you're feeling discouraged, wrestle with this question. Where have you placed your confidence? Where are you placing your confidence? Who are you turning to? Okay, how can I put my confidence in God? That's the question, right? I'm struggling with that. How can I be filled with courage? Last week we talked about God leading his people through the Jordan River. In Joshua chapter 4, God tells his people to do something in the middle of that journey to teach them to put their confidence in him. Chapter 4, verse 2, God says this, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. If you have a Bible, will you highlight that middle of the Jordan? Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone, carry it on your shoulders, 12 stones in all, one one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Where did they get the stones? The middle. 
Don't miss what is happening in the middle because you're in such a hurry to get to the other side. This is huge. God wants to do something in the middle. He wants to do something in the middle of the storm. Maybe that's where you're at right now. You have to be aware of it. Take up this rock. Put it on your shoulders. Carry them out so that you'll remember on the other side what God did for you while you're in the middle. Why do this? Verse 6. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So Joshua tells the men to do this. They load up the stones. They carry them to the other side. They build the altar. I love this in verse 9, though. Check this out. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. Why? In the middle of the Jordan. The water is going to cover that back up when it comes back, won't it? The only people that will see it, there's nobody that's going to see it. Joshua will remember it's there, I'm sure. Verse 10 says, while Joshua was doing this, meanwhile, while he's building this altar in the middle of the Jordan River, the people hurried across the riverbed. Okay, you can't blame them for hurrying, right? The Jordan River is dammed up. They don't know how long they have. They're trying to get a million people across there. They're hurrying up. Lord, just help me to get to the other side right before this water comes back. Remember, it's at flood stage, right? Kind of dangerous. This would have been on their mind. I'll take the time to stop, God. I'll take the time to reflect, to look at this when I'm on the other side, right? Don't miss what happens in the middle, though. Don't miss it. Joshua, their new leader, he's on the ground collecting stones, building an altar in the middle while the people are hurrying to get to the other side because that's where God meets us, in the middle. Where's the ark? Where's God's presence? Where's the signal? Where's the sign of that? It's in the middle, isn't it? The 12 leaders take their stones on their shoulders and and make an altar so that they can be reminded of what God did. That's good. Can I challenge you with that? To do the same thing? Have some visual reminder, some stones that you can look back on during the season of life and recognize what God did in your life. Here's the story of God's faithfulness. I guarantee you if you're able to do that, you'll be encouraged. You'll remember who put your confidence in. Your courage will return. Let me give you some examples of this. I have this picture of my wrecked 1995 red Chevy Monte Carlo Z34. And if you've been around for some time in this church, you know my story with that. I was driving on a road and I hit an Amish buggy. And a kid was life-lighted in that situation. And God did so much in that situation. Taught me so much in that situation. Get this, taught me so much in the middle of that situation. That's where he met me. That picture is a reminder of God's faithfulness 
during the storm. I thought I might be looking at jail time. I didn't know what was going to happen through that situation and in that time. I didn't know if that kid was going to survive. But God met me in that storm and gave me a peace that surpasses all understanding. In the middle. In the storm. Don't just rush to the other side. Take the time to meet God, to get into His presence. I knew in that moment that no matter what happened, that He would be with me. No matter what. I have a picture of my first house. I told you the story about pledging to this church and to this building fund when we were building this church. It was a two-year pledge. And not long after that pledge, I lost about half my income. And that was a season, right? That was two years, almost two years of being in the middle, in the middle of the Jordan, a rough time. But God met me, and he showed his faithfulness to what he called me to. He provided for me in the middle. I have a picture of my daughter with these cool shades that she wore when she was born. And it reminded me of the struggles she had when she was born and she wasn't breathing and how the doctors thought, man, she might have some developmental issues because of the lack of oxygen. In the middle, God met myself, my wife, my family, and he reminded us that no matter what, he'd be with us in the middle. These are some of the standing stones in my life. And I don't bring them up just because they have the happy endings. Just because I would say God was faithful to them. I had the miracles happen. I got to experience those times of miracles. Because those are the times that no matter what would have been the outcome, I still know that God was with me, was with us during that storm. It's what happened in the middle. Some of you guys are right now in the storm. You're in the time. I will not guarantee you the Hallmark movie ending. Right? I can't guarantee you the Hallmark movie ending. What I can guarantee you, though, is that he will meet you in the storm. And he will be with you. No matter what. I haven't always had good outcomes I haven't always had the miracles in those situations, but I can testify that I always have had God's presence. And that's been enough. Amen? You will have God with you if you look for Him in the middle. Listen to this passage one last time. Listen for the promise. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen? Stand with me. I've been in the middle of the river, and those last words have been what changed my life. What has given me peace, what has given me perspective, the Lord will be with you wherever you go. That is what I will anchor my life to. 
That is what I pray I will anchor my life to no matter what comes my way. And my friends, my church family, I pray that for you too. Anchor your life to that, to the unshakable rock. Seek him out. Don't worry about rushing through that storm. Take the time to get into his presence, to lean on him, and let God use you to speak to those people that are in the storms right now. Share your testimony of what God did while you were in the storm to the people who are in the storms. Amen? I don't know what you're going through, but put your confidence in Him. Put your hope in Him. Put your trust in Him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for today. Lord, I know there's people going through tough times in here. Things that they haven't shared, things that they're struggling with, things that they have shared and they're still struggling with. Father, financial times, relationship issues. Lord, there's people in storms. Father, would you meet them right here, right now? Father, would you help them to be encouraged? Would you give them your strength? Lord, would you help them to lean onto you, to put all their weight onto you, Father? Would you remind them that they have a a God who loves them? They have a God who lived a life as we lived, who knows exactly what they're going through because you experienced it. Lord, help them to lay these things down at your feet. Father, help us as the church to come up alongside and help carry those burdens. Father, give us opportunities to, to testify to what you've done in our lives to them. Father, pray that you'd be glorified in everything. We just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Don't forget the Gideons. Don't forget talking to God about what he would have you do. Right? Let's support this ministry. Thank you.